Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Acts. The book of Acts in chapter number 6. The book of Acts in chapter number 6. As we continue with our Sunday School series of discipleship. Remember, we're defining discipleship as being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And each week we're taking an aspect of what does it mean to be a disciple? We know that someone can be a Christian, meaning that they come to the place where they realize that they're a sinner and because of their sin that they've offended a holy, righteous God, but that Jesus personally died for them and paid the price and they personally ask Christ to be their Savior, that that's the time that someone becomes a Christian. But just because someone makes a profession of faith does not mean they're automatically going to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a separate decision. And when someone begins to follow after Christ, what does it look like? What does it taste like? What does it smell like? What is it... What is it like? And that's what this series is, is we're taking different aspects. What does it mean to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? If you don't mind, look with me in the book of Acts chapter 6. And let's look at another aspect of being a disciple. Acts chapter 6, and notice with me in verse 1. Acts chapter 6 and verse number 1, the Word of God says this, And in those days when the number of disciples were multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out... Among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And if you have the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Acts in chapter number 6? The book of Acts in chapter number 6, and notice the phrase in verse number 4, we will give ourselves continually to prayer. We will give ourselves continually to prayer. And with the Lord's help, we want to describe this, that disciples give themselves to prayer. Disciples give themselves to prayer. Now in this, the brand new church is beginning to function. The Holy Spirit's empowered in it, and now they're starting to uh, grow and get an understanding of what the Lord has given them to do. And as the number of disciples were multiplied, we see that in verse 1, that in those days the, the number of the multi, uh, disciples were multiplied. And may we also put a pause that with more people comes more problems. That's just an automatic given. More problems. And by the way, these problems have to be addressed. They have to be taken care of. You can't ignore them. That with more people comes more problems. And so as the more problems come up, we can see that people came up and addressed, well, we have these problems. These things need to be taken care of. What are we going to do about it? Now, normally, most people would look at the preacher and say, what are you going to do about it? 
And what the preacher did is said, we need to get some people who can handle this because our thing is that we need to give ourselves even more to prayer. That as we have more people coming in, we understand that we have a responsibility to pray more. Why would this be such an important principle that we have to pray more? Well, notice with me, if you don't mind, let's explore some scriptures really quick before and get a good underlining understanding. Turn with me to the gospel record of John chapter number 15. The gospel record of John chapter 15. Now with the more problems, more things needed to be done. And so the solution was not just to do more things, it was to pray more. We understand that the biggest enemy of prayer is not evil things. The biggest enemy of prayer is not um, <coughs> uh, the outside world. The biggest enemy of prayer is being busy. Amen. Why is this such a big deal? Well, notice with me, if you don't mind, the gospel record of John chapter number five, 15. The gospel record of John chapter 15. And as Jesus is describing him as the branch, the, the trunk, and that we are the vine, notice what he specifically says in verse number five. First, uh, the book of John, the gospel record of John chapter 15 and verse number five. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Notice this next phrase. For without me, ye can do nothing. Understand that when Jesus is speaking here, this is a big thing. Without me, ye can do nothing. Now, most of us, if we were to be honest, we like to switch the ye and the me. We like to say, without me, you can do nothing. And we have the idea that we are the important ones in this equation. And that God, you can't do anything you want to do without me. But let me tell you, that's far from the truth. We need God a lot more than he needs us. Without me, Jesus is saying, ye can do nothing. This is the truth. It is not our work. It is not our ministry. It is his work. It is his ministry. And without him, we cannot do God's work. If you've never written that phrase down, please write that down somewhere. You can not do God's work. You cannot do God's work. You cannot do God's work. Now, you can be an instrument God uses for his work, but only God can do his work. The more that we attempt to do God's work in our own power, in our own strength, we're going to find out it won't be done. All those wasted times that we attempt to do God's work in our own strength, in our own power, it cannot be done. Notice as this idea is repeated again in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. The book of 2 Corinthians in chapter number 2. Again, this saves us lots of heartache, a lot of frustrated times, a lot of emptiness and fruitlessness. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. 2 Corinthians chapter number 2. And notice with me in verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16. To the one 
we are the savior of, uh, to the one, we are the savior of death, unto death, and to the other, the savior of life, unto life. Notice this phrase, and who is sufficient for these things? What a powerful statement. Who is sufficient for these things? If we were to be honest, it's not us. We cannot do it. It is not us. And yet, over and over, we attempt to do it. What do you mean we attempt to do it? How many times do we try to teach a class, try to win a soul, try to uh, do a work of any sort and fail to pray? When we fail to pray, we are depending on ourselves and not the Lord. It is God's work. We get so busy doing things for God that we fail to spend time with God. It is God that does the machine. Anyone can build a crowd. Only God can build a church. And it has to be done God's way. And it has to be Him that sets it up. Unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Psalm 127. We understand that prayer is our biggest failure. Because we fail to trust in God. In fact, if you've never written down this statement, please write it down. All failures are prayer failures. Every single one. All failures are prayer failures. We fail to pray and get and allow God to do His work. We foolishly attempt to try to do things in our own power. We try to counsel people with our own power. We try to give our own wisdom out in our own power. We try to raise our children in our own power. We try to do all of this without any dependence on God. And then we wonder why things don't work out the way that we expect. We wonder why we keep hitting walls. We wonder why we keep getting fruitlessness and emptiness as a result of all of our labor. Because we fail to pray and trust God. That's why when the disciples, they were brought up and the, and the things were multiplied. And there was more things to do. They realized they needed to go into prayer more, not less. Because it had to be God that was doing it all. All failures are prayer failures. As we go to the gospel record of Luke in chapter number 11. Many of you are familiar, who have been in this church for a while, are familiar with Luke 11. Notice with me in Luke 11, if you don't mind. Luke chapter number 11. Luke chapter 11, and notice with me in verse number 1. Luke chapter 11, verse number 1. Now Jesus is finishing praying. And all throughout the gospel record of Luke, as we're going through that series, I want you to notice all throughout that series, how many times the emphasis is on the prayer life of Jesus. All throughout that, remember the gospel record of Luke, is portraying Jesus as the perfect man. What does the perfect man do? Praise. 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 And if Jesus prayed to be dependent upon the Father, how much more should we follow that example? Realize that we are not sufficient thereof. We have to have God doing it. We cannot do God's work. Notice with me in Luke 11, chapter, and chapter, Luke chapter 11, verse number 1. And it came to pass that as he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased... Now, can you imagine what it would be like to eavesdrop on Jesus praying? And as Jesus finished praying, notice what the disciples said. 
one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Now, for those of you who have heard and know where I'm going, be quiet. But in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, what are the disciples asking Jesus to do? Nobody wants to answer now. You're like, I know your tricks now, pastor. What is he uh, asking them to do? What is the disciples asking Jesus to pray? Most people would say, teach us to pray. That is incorrect. Notice what he said. Teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Now remember that the disciples were Hebrews. They had been taught all their life to pray and do ritualistic prayers. Remember, they just saw Jesus pray and get off his knees. And they said, there's something different about the way you pray. There's something different about the way that John taught his disciples to pray. We know these ritual prayers. We know, now I lay me down to sleep or rub-a-dub-dub, please give me some grub and all of our little ritualistic prayers. But they said, there's something different about how you pray. Teach us to pray like you pray. Teach us to pray like John taught his disciples. We want to pray like that. So he's not just saying how to pray. He says, I want to pray differently like that. Why? Because the prayers that Jesus had was effective. And all throughout the rest of Luke chapter 11, when Jesus gives this discourse on prayer, he's doing it in direct response to their question. It was not, how do I pray? But how do I pray like you? How do I pray like John prayed? How do I pray differently? Notice, so you don't mind, we're going to run through this. This is not the message, but this is just a quick little sampling. Um, <laughs> we'll get to the message later in Luke 11 when we get to this place. But let's just look quickly. Verse number 2. And he said unto them, as in answer to their prayer, When you pray, say, Our Father which are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. <laughs> thy will be done in heaven and so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us of our sins, for we forgive everyone that's indebted to us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now normally people will call that the Lord's Prayer. That is the wrong name for it because Jesus never prayed that. Jesus' prayer is recorded in Luke chapter... John chapter 17, that's where Jesus was praying. Jesus never prayed this because he was never a sinner. But he is giving us a model, an example. Now, what is the example that he teaches us? Remember that it all begins with God. It all ends with God. God is the goal. He said unto them, when ye pray, say, our Father, the person of address, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done as in heaven, so on earth understood you. You, Lord, give us day by day our daily bread. And you, understood you, forgive us of our sins, for we forgive everyone that's indebted to us. And you, understood you, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Notice, all of this is about God. That you want your prayer life different, learn to speak to God and talk to Him. Understand that it's all about him, not my will, but him. It's all about him. Verse number five. Again, I'm just giving you a quick synopsis. We'll go into detail on this later. Verse five. And he, Jesus, said unto them, still answering their question. What was the question? Teach us to pray like you pray. Teach us to pray like John taught his disciples. And he said unto them, verse five, which of you shall have a friend and shall go to him at midnight and say unto him, friend, give me three loaves. And a friend of mine in his journey has come and I have nothing to set before him. 
And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, for the door is now shut. My children are now with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise up and give him as money as he needeth. Now here's the story, Jesus says. All right, let's imagine that there's a guy who's sleeping. He's sleeping. And now remember in those days, they didn't have nice multi-room houses like we have. They had one bedroom and everyone slept in the same bed. And so you had the husband and you had the wife and you had the kids. And any parent who raised young children know you don't wake them up once they get to sleep. Let them stay asleep. You don't want to wake them up. And so in the middle of the night, hey, hey, I need some bread. Hey, I need some bread. The guy says, <laughs> he says, go away. My kids are sleeping. Leave me alone. I'm not going to rise up. Hey, I need some bread. Hey, no, shut up. My kids are asleep. You're going to wake them up. Hey, I need some bread. Finally, he'll get up and it says not because he's his friend, but because of his importunity, that constant knocking to get him to shut up. Now, some people will put the emphasis on the importunity that if you keep bothering God, he'll finally stop. Uh, he'll finally get tired of you and just give you what you want. That is not what it's teaching here. What is it teaching then? Remember the context. Jesus is trying to teach his disciples to teach, to pray like he prayed, like John prayed. There was something different about the prayer. And so he's giving this illustration. This guy has come in the middle of the night asking for bread. bread. Why did he come to this guy? Because there's nowhere else to go. If we want to really learn to pray like Jesus prayed, we need to pray to him like there's nowhere else to go. Which is one of our problems because in America we're rich. We're, we answer our own prayers. Amen. We need bread, we go to Walmart. Right? We need something... We'll save up for it. You need a car? All right, well, then I'll go to the bank. We answer our own prayers. But if you want to pray differently, learn to go to God and be fully dependent on Him because there's nowhere else to go. You will learn to pray differently. Lord, I need you to work. I need you to work. There's nothing I can do in this situation. It has to be you. And this has to be done. It's an emergency, Lord. You have... It changes the way that you pray. Why don't we pray like this? Because we're not dependent on God. We're dependent on ourselves. And that's the difference in prayer. That if we realize that we could do nothing. I can't preach a message. You can't teach a class. We can't go soul winning. We can't do it ourselves. And we honestly believed it. We would pray differently. Lord, I need you. I need you. I need you. I can't do this. I have to have you. And it has to be done. It has to be you. We pray differently. Because our dependence on him. Notice as it goes on in verse number 9. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. And he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Here we start to see there's three promises to prayer. The first promise, God promised to answer every prayer. That is a promise. God promised to answer every prayer. You know why sometimes we don't pray? Because we don't think God's going to answer. If you believe prayer worked, you'd pray more. God promised to answer every prayer. 
well, have you ever asked for something and it didn't come true? <laughs> the answer is yes. Well, then is God wrong or are we wrong? Well, perhaps our understanding is wrong. That's a different message altogether. Uh, for those of you who need the preview, it's Romans chapter 8 or see me later and I'll explain it to you. But God promised to answer every prayer. Notice there's a second promise here. Verse 11. For if a son shall ask bread of any of you that's a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Or if he ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? We see another principle here that God will never give us less than we ask for. All right, so let's say that my son said, Dad, I'm hungry. And I said, okay, what do you want? He says, well, can you give me some bread? And I said, you know what? I got something for you. And I give him a stone. So here you go. Nub on that for a little bit. Is that less than what he asked for? Absolutely. What if he said, uh, he asked for a fish. All right, Dad, how about give me a fish? And instead, I give him a serpent. Here you go. Nice replacement. Does that match up? No. No. All right. So what about this? He goes, dad, 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 how about this? How about an egg? Just an egg. I give him a scorpion instead. Said, here you go. It's living, you know, just pet it nicely. Is that a good replacement? The principle that we learn here is that God will never give us less than we asked for. Notice in verse 13, if ye then being evil, meaning in comparison to God, I'm, I'm, I'm a scumbag compared to God. If I, being a scumbag compared to God, know how to give good news to my children. Now, as a father, if my son said, Dad, I'm hungry, and he was a legitimate need, do I know how to give him food so he will survive? Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm smart enough and good enough to be able to give him what he needs when he asked for it, when he has a need for it. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more? Shall our Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Oh, our Heavenly Father can give us more than we asked for. So here's the three promises of prayer. He promised to answer every prayer. Promised never to give us less than we asked for, but instead give us more than we asked for. If we believe prayer worked, we would pray more. Notice there's one last thing here. The answer to prayer. He said, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? What did the, what did the Father give to them? The so therefore, what did they ask for? If He gave them what they asked for, what did they ask for? The Holy there you go. The Holy Spirit. Yes. Good. Don't doubt it. You're good. The answer is God. God, I need you. You know, sometimes we settle and ask for something lesser than we ask for the byproduct rather than God. He's the goal. It all begins with God. It all ends with God. God's the goal. If we seek for God, we get God. And when you have Jesus, you have everything else you need. You need wisdom? Well, ask for Jesus. He's the one of wisdom. You need supply? Ask for him and have him. And he meets our supply. It changes the way we pray when we learn to pray. Now this is introduction. Let's talk a little bit more about prayer. Going back to the book of Acts chapter number 6. Acts in chapter number 6. And the first thing that we bring up to us is the battle between the good and the best. The battle between the good and the best. Now as this problem came up where the widows were being neglected as the Grecians had reported. Was it good to take care of the widows? Yes. 
But did the disciples assign someone else to do this? Yes. Why? Because they could get so busy doing things for God that they failed to spend time with God. And they realized with the more people they needed to spend even more time with God. We often fail to pray because we get too busy. If you're too busy to pray, you're just too busy. By the way, may I say most of it it is a waste of time devices. If you have enough time to play Facebook, you have enough time to pray. If you have enough time to read the newspaper, you got enough time to pray. If you have enough time to watch TV, you definitely have enough time to pray. We have time, we just don't use it wisely. But we get all things in our way. And by the way, sometimes the things we're doing are good things. But the good is the enemy of the best. And the best is the never-ending pursuit of Jesus Christ. That we need to choose the best thing. And that is prayer. Because it's not dependent on us. If you want to get the things that only God can do, then we have to get God. And we have to watch Him work. That is the open secret of all. Is getting God. Only God can do His work. That there's always going to be a, tw- a battle between the good and what is best. We have to take the high road and learn to choose the best going after Christ. Something else that we understand here is the biblical pattern for the ministry is that all things are accomplished through prayer. They prayed as they go on. They, they pulled the disciples aside. They chose the disciples in verse number 5. Notice with me in verse 6. Or the, uh, the deacons, the first deacons. Verse number 6. Whom they set before the apostles and when they prayed, they laid their hands on them. Now there was nothing magical that happened when they laid their hands on it. And all it is is a recognition that we are trusting you with this. But what was the most important thing they did? They prayed. They prayed. They prayed that the biblical pattern for all the ministry are things are accomplished by prayer. Notice with me in the book of Romans chapter 15. The book of Romans chapter 15. Prayer is everything. It is the gas that runs the machine. It's the power getting a hold of God. So many times we fail because we try to do it ourselves. When the biblical pattern is to pray, to pray, to pray, and to let God do his own work. Notice with me in the book of Romans chapter 15. The book of Romans 15, and notice with me in verse 30. Romans 15 and verse 30. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of the Spirit, notice this, that you strive together with me, In your prayers to God for me. Notice that phrase, striving together in prayers for me. This idea of striving together carries the idea of working together in prayer, in concert in prayer. Now let's imagine that we did congregational singing, which we do. And instead of people singing together, everyone wanted to sing their own solo. Does that blend well? Does that put a unison together? No, when we have a congregational singing, the idea is that we're blending our voices into one. That's the idea of it, not having multiple solos. We're blending together. This is the same thing in the idea of prayers, that we are in concert, in unison, praying together, striving together. This carries the idea it's work and a warfare. And by the way, it is work and warfare to pray. 
but striving together, working together, and to pray together. Paul is praying for this. I want you to pray for me as I go out and try to reach more people with the gospel. As I try to go out there. We have to go enter in together to prayer. Appreciate the money. Appreciate the support. Appreciate the added boys. But it's prayer that we need if we're going to see God's work be accomplished. We want to see things get accomplished here. It's when we're in concert, striving together in prayer and letting God do his own work. That's the open secret. This is the biblical pattern that's a, that all things are accomplished in the ministry by prayer. It's not a solo act and it's not our concerted effort. It's not ours joining together in a Care Bear stare. It's the idea that we're going to the Lord together and it is him that does the work. We're just casting our dependence upon him. And then notice this, blessing of God is the answer to prayer. The blessing of God is the answer to prayer. Notice back with me in Acts chapter 6 where we've been kind of covering here. We often say that God wants to bless, but we need to finish off the statement. God blesses when we pray. One of my um, spiritual fathers, Dr. Curtis Hudson, used to say his biggest biggest um, nightmare would be that he would go to heaven and when he got to heaven the angels would take him on a tour of heaven and they would take him to a warehouse and as he goes to the warehouse he, they're showing him all the things in the warehouse and he's looking and said man I could have used this and man down on earth this and, and our church could have used this and it could have had this and then he looks at the angels and says what is all of this stuff and the angel says well this is all the stuff that we were prepared to give you just as soon as you asked God wants to give us blessing. He wants to give good gifts to his children. We limit ourselves by not praying. Notice if you don't mind as we look in Acts chapter 6 verse 7. So they prayed. They gave themselves continually to prayer. And they prayed over the disciples. Or the, the disciples prayed over the deacons. The deacons are now entering into the ministry. And they're starting to work alongside. And they are praying. Verse number 7. And the word of God increased. And the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Oh, as they prayed... God worked. I don't believe we're going to enter into the next level except for prayer. The next level may have nothing to do with numerical gains. The next level may have nothing to do with larger facilities or more buildings or more property. But there are times when God allows him to come to a place where there's no more moving forward except by prayer. That it's the prayer that runs this whole thing. It's our dependence upon God. And that if we're going to be followers, true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not us. It's not dependent on us. It's all dependent on God. And how do we show our dependence on God? By our prayer or lack of it. It is God that does his own work. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time 
to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920-530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.